Uh, do you have a Bible with you? Come on, if you got a Bible, would you wave it in the air like you just do care? Come on, even Salinas, I can see you. Come on, wave it in the air like you just do care. Some of your Bibles are glowing. You charged up your Bible. Amen. I, I want you to go with me to the Gospel of Mark tonight. Mark chapter 2. And I want to look at verses 1 through 12. Mark chapter 2. We'll start at verse 1 and we'll land at verse number 12. While you're looking for it, how many of you have never heard me preach before? Can I see your hand if you've never heard me preach? Oh, my goodness, for real. Okay. Uh, <laughs> quick disclaimer, I am a hollaback preacher. All that means is, all that means is uh, for the next six and a half hours that we have tonight, uh, if anything I say is resonating with you, don't forget, you cannot get quiet on me. You got to say, amen, say, preach that. You can say, mm, that was good. You could grunt. Uh, you could stand up in the middle and go, ooh, that was for me. <laughs> you can stand up in the middle and go, oh, that was for you, for real. Any one of those will work. I'm just saying, get verbally involved. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 2, verses 1 through 12. And if I can just want to set the trajectory of where we're going with this text. Because this text reminded me of a story of a man who called up his doctor in a complete panic. He said, Doc, I got to see you now. He walks in the doctor's office. The doctor says, sir, what's wrong? The man goes, everything. Doctor goes, what do you mean everything? He said, Doc, everything. He said, every place in my body that I touch, I immediately keel over in excruciating pain. The doctor goes, what, what do you mean every place? He says, Doc, every place I touch. Doctor goes, okay, touch your knee. Man touched his knee. Ah! Says, wow. He says, touch your elbow. Man touched his elbow. Doctor goes, touch your hair. Man touched his hair. Yeah! Doctor goes, dummy, you got a dislocated finger. <laughs> Some of you get that tomorrow. <laughs> you see, sometimes in life, you can think that there's something wrong with everything when in actuality, there's just something wrong with one thing. And if you could get the one thing in order, that one thing would take care of uh, everything else. I think Jesus is concerned with getting to the one thing that's affecting everything else. And uh, we, we see that in Mark chapter 2. That's, that's just the appetizer. Go, go to Mark chapter 2 at verse 1. Look at what it says. It says, a few days later... When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law, also known as the haters, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. 
Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Can you say amen? Come on, that is good all by itself. That is good stuff. I don't do drugs. I do scripture. That's good. I want to talk to you tonight just using this as a title. I got more than what I came for. I got more than what I came for. Would you look at your neighbor, get in their face, get in their personal space one last time, and just say, neighbor, come on, don't be afraid to talk to your neighbor. You know I can see you, right? <laughs> come on, say, neighbor, if you get to Jesus, you'll get more than what you came for. Come on, anybody knows it to be true. Would you give God some praise up in here? One more prayer. Father, speak tonight. Amen. I got more than what I came for. Quick little sermonic survey before we jump into this. How many of you would say, just by a showing of hands, that you were raised in church? Can I see your hand if you were raised in church? Oh, come on. That's a lot of hands. Hold on. Keep it lifted. Raised in church? Ooh. I just need to see who needs the counseling. Uh, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. Hey, I'll lift up my hand with you, and I, too, will let you know that I was raised in church. And if you lifted up your hand, then you are acutely aware of the fact that the life of a church kid is distinctly different than the life of a regular kid. Oh, come on, somebody. There are trials and tribulations and situations that you go through as a church kid that other kids aren't even aware of. Okay, I know this too well because... Growing up in our household in the great country of Texas, in Dallas, uh, we, we had to be in church, okay? Every day the doors were open, had to be in church. There were no discussions, there were no debates, there were no diatribes. It was not a democracy, it was a dictatorship, okay? <laughs> had to be in church. In fact, I vividly remember one time being a kid, I think I was like 13, and I woke up on that Sunday feeling kind of bold, kind of brave, kind of gangster, and... <laughs> I said to my father, I said to my father, I said to my Nigerian father, <laughs> I said, I ain't going this Sunday. I don't feel like it. I said that to my Nigerian father. And do you know what my Nigerian father said to me? He said, let me tell you something, boy. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. You have two options. huh? You can get out of that bed and go to church or I can kill you. And we will go to church and have your funeral. But either way, you will be in church. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is a true story. Awesome. Y'all are clapping at the abuse I endured as a kid. Um, dinners were different in our house. Dinners were different because you could not eat your food. You could not touch the plate without my mama hitting you with this question. What's your favorite scripture? 
Before you could eat your food, you had to give a scripture. Before you could touch the plate, you had to give a scripture. Celebration Church, you don't know hunger until your mind is racing through the Bible, just trying to find a scripture so you can eat your food. I remember one dinner being so frustrated and exasperated with my mama. I looked at her and said, Jesus wept. Give me the chicken. Why are you playing with people's food? It's the environment that I grew up in. And uh, to be honest with you tonight, I am thankful that's the environment that I grew up in because it has, it has produced something on the inside of me. It has produced this insatiable desire for the word of God. I am obsessed with the word of God. It is the hinge upon which my faith has its mobility. The word of God is the irreducible substantive essence of what it means to know who your God is. To those of you who think that book you're holding is some boring antiquated book that doesn't really relate to your life, you have lost your mind. That is the only book that's still alive. It is the only book that's still breathing. It is the only book that has power. It is the only book that was written in antiquity, but yet it can speak to the specificity of your life. There is nothing like the Word of God. You understand that other books you can read, but the Bible is different because the Bible will read you. It will show you who you are and, and whose you are. I, I love the word of God. It's like Red Bull for my spirit. It's steroids for my faith. And although I love the word of God in its entirety, come on, let's be honest. We all have our favorites, don't we? And I think my favorite section, my favorite literary genre in the Bible is the Gospels. I love the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just give me those four and no more. In fact, I, I spent so much time studying the Gospels. I feel like they're close personal friends of mine. I call them Matt, Marky Mark, Uncle Luke, and Little John. I love the Gospels because it's in the Gospels that we get to see the ministry of Jesus Christ himself. I get to see how he walked, how he talked, how he handled situations. One scholar said that the Gospels are Christology in narrative form. That's just a fancy way to say that the Gospels are the closest thing that we have of a biography of the greatest man who ever walked the face of this earth. And his name is Jesus. I, I love the Gospels. Are you bored yet? Okay, here's what I love. I, I love that these four Gospel writers are all talking about the same Jesus, but they do it in totally different ways. Totally different ways. Almost like four film directors who've been given the same subject to film, but have each been given their own cinematic license to film it. Each one of them give us a different HD, 4K view of who Jesus really is. And that's why I'm glad Marky Mark is our director for today. See... If you like, if you like long, boring documentaries, you got to read the book of Matthew, okay? Because Matthew, he is writing primarily to a Jewish audience, so he begins the long and laborious process of letting you know that Jesus is the fulfillment of over 300 Old Testament prophecies that were given in a 1,500-year time span. Come on, anybody in here ever read Matthew chapter 1? 
Oh, get you some espresso when you read it, okay? Excitement level is right up there with the book of Leviticus, okay? For the whole first chapter, we are scripturally inundated with baby daddy after baby daddy after baby daddy. That's chapter one, okay? If you like sci-fi movies, sci-fi movies, please read the book of Luke because Luke is a medical doctor. So Luke goes into detail to explain the miracles that Christ did and how his miracles could do what modern medicine could not do. Uh, if you like those mushy, gushy, romantic chick flicks that some of us husbands are forced and coerced to watch, you got to read the book of John, okay? If you like the movie Dear John, read John, okay? <laughs> because John, you know, he's the disciple that's always laying his head on the chest of Jesus. And he's all about love, and he's very existential. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But those of you who are like me, and you like some movies with some action where things get blown up and people get beat up. Come with your boy to the book of Mark. Mark is Jesus Christ in action. Mark is so gangster, he don't even have time for baby Jesus. Oh, I'm being for real. Read the book of Mark. You will not find the major in the book of Mark. This dude skips Christmas and just goes straight to full-grown Jesus with hair on his chest, smelling like Old Spice. Mark is not playing games with you. Oh, Mark wants to let you know with clarity and precision that before there was a Russell Crowe in Gladiator, before there was a Mel Gibson in Braveheart, before there was a Denzel, my twin, hello, before there was any of them, please believe there was a King Jesus, and when he stepped in a situation, it had to come under his divine authority, because he wasn't just a good man, he was a God man, he was God in flesh, walking among us with all power in his hand come on, somebody that knows the greatness of our God, would you give him some praise, like you know he's got power and authority Woo, I feel like preaching tonight Oh, yes. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 2 that Jesus, he's been walking and, and picking up on his frequent walker miles. And uh, it's funny to me. <laughs> and he gets to a house. He gets to a house, a certain house. And historians actually believe it's Peter's house. And the Bible says that when Jesus gets to this house, all he does is he sits down to chillax in this house. And within minutes of him sitting down to rest in the house, all of a sudden throughout the entire region, People start going, Psst, hey, come here, hey, come here. Guess who's in town? Jesus just showed up. You know I can't miss that hair. Jesus just showed up. Before you know it, people start getting on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and start putting the address on blast and saying, hurry up, come over here. And before you know it, the entire house is jam-packed with people simply because his presence sat down to rest in one house. People from different walks of life, people from different backgrounds, all converged in one place because his presence sat down to rest in one place. Come on, the Bible is clear. It uses picturesque language. It says there wasn't even room outside the door. This is standing room only because his presence sat down to rest in one place. Church, what is it about the presence of God coming to rest in a place that causes people to be drawn from everywhere? I'll tell you what it is. People instinctively know if you can ever get God's presence just to come and rest in a place, how many of you know something life-changing, something supernatural, something miraculous is bound to happen if his presence can just rest in one place? Oh, come on. You don't believe me? Why are you here tonight? 
Hello? Come on. You know you could be at the house right now. You could be Netflixing right now. You could be at Cracker Barrel right now. Why in the world would you come in here, get in traffic on a Wednesday night, put on your good shirt and skinny jeans just to come into the house of God? You didn't come to hear the worship team as awesome as they are. You didn't come to hear me preach. I think I know why you came tonight. You came because you knew God's presence would be resting in this place. And when God's presence shows up, oh, come on, somebody, something is going to happen. Would you just give him some praise like you actually want his presence just to come sit down? And Oh, you do know he inhabits the praises of his people. His, oh, his presence, his presence. I love it. I love it because he hadn't even done anything yet. But just his presence, just him sitting down, caused an atmosphere of expectation to hit the room that day. I can use my exegetical imagination. I can see them. I can see them in that room. I can see the sick in that room going, if he touches me, if I just touch his clothes. I know I'm going to be made whole. I can see it. I can see it. I, I, I can see practical things, too, because, you know, I'm a parent now, four-year-old, three-year-old, one-year-old. So I can see a mama with a little kid not even paying attention, just on his iPad. Just, she's like, boy, pay attention. Jesus is in the house. See, that's why you get in trouble at school, because you don't listen to anybody. Listen to Jesus. He's going to change your life. I can see it. I can see it. I can even see some ladies in the house, some ladies in the house. Because how many of you know Jesus was single and in the ministry? Come on, single people, you're going to be all right. <laughs> he was single. So I can see some ladies in the house talking about, girl, mm, Yeshua is fine. Mm -hmm. Girl, I heard last week at a wedding, he turned water into wine. Yes, he did. <laughs> Don't let him ask me out on a date. I'm ordering water. I mean, I can see. Jet lag, anything can happen tonight. I can see it. They're waiting. They're waiting with tiptoe anticipation, perhaps to see what he was going to do. Because everybody loves a show. They should have been waiting to hear what he was going to say. The Bible says they're all packed in this house. All Jesus does in a packed house is he stands up. <clears throat> He clears his holy throat. The Bible says that Jesus preached the word to them. That's all he did. He preached the word. Now, that might not get you excited, but that gets me excited. Because I love to hear people preach the word of God. Understand, something powerful happens whenever you come into the presence of God and you hear the word of God being preached. In fact, never take for granted moments on a Sunday or first Wednesday when you gather in the house of God and you hear the word of God being preached. In fact, Martin Luther said that when the word is preached, that's when God speaks. Oh, I love to hear people preach the word of God. There's something powerful about hearing the word of God. I don't even care your style of how you preach it. That's how mature I've gotten. You know, some people, they get caught up on styles of preacher. I don't even care your homiletical style. As long as you're preaching the word, I am with you. I like calm preachers that preach the word and they just stay in one place and smile and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I like calm preachers that preach the word. I like preachers that get real excited when they preach in the word and got veins popping out of their neck. And sound like they're having an asthma attack between each word. <laughs> got a hammer 
B3 organ behind them. You know what I'm talking about. That preacher's more like, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. If it says I'm the head, I'm the head. If it says I'm above, I'm above. I'm so glad that God, I mean, I like those preachers too. I preach like that in some churches, but I want to scare some of y'all here in Fresno. Um, love to hear people preach the word of God, but how many of you know, in my text today, this is no ordinary preacher. This is Jesus. This is the greatest preacher to ever preach. Do, do you know why I preach? Do you know why I preach like I had six Red Bull this morning? Because I had six Red Bull this morning. No. But, but you know why I preach with so much passion and no matter where I am, I really do try my best to give it everything I got is because I know when I get to heaven, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Oh, come on. We don't want to hear any preachers when we get to heaven. Put your little podcast to the side. The only one we want to hear in heaven is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the only one we want to hear from. I got to get all my preaching out now. <laughs> You understand that like when I preach or Pastor Nick preaches or Pastor Randy preaches, we just have a word. Jesus, ah, he is the word. He was the word made flesh. That means if Jesus really wanted to preach a good sermon, this is all he had to say. And he still would have been preaching. He was the word made flesh. What would it have been like, Celebration Church, to have been in that room that day to listen to the living word, preaching the written word? And there they are in that standing room only, trying to pay attention to the master orator, the profound and prolific prophet communicate. And they're trying to pay attention to do what even people today do. In the middle of the message, they got distracted. They're trying to listen to Jesus' sermon. They really are. In the middle of the message, they're like, is somebody on the roof? <laughs> trying to pay attention to a sermon, but before you know it, debris starts falling down in the middle of this house, and a hole starts appearing in this roof, and a few hands and a few heads appear in the hole as a ray of sunlight comes to the room, and the hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, understand, historians believe this was Peter's house. The disciple Peter's house, the one Nick was talking about to cut off. They're putting a hole in Peter's roof. Okay, let me explain the disciples for some of you. If, the, if there's any disciple you don't want to put a hole in his roof, it's Peter, okay? Put a hole in the disciple John's roof, you know, the one that's always laying on the chest of Jesus. Because he'll just look up and say, oh, now I can see the stars that my creator has made for me. Not Peter, okay? Peter's like some of y'all. You love Jesus with all of your heart, but don't let somebody cut you off on the highway, okay? <laughs> Peter would cuss you out. Peter would cut you. So I can see this hole getting bigger and bigger. And Peter's like, man, what the? And Jesus goes, watch your mouth, Peter. Watch your mouth. Come on, we talked about this. <laughs> I'm the son of God. I'll make you a new roof. It's going to be all right. All of a sudden, they start lowering a man down down, down, down. 
all the way at the feet of Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us the man's name. It doesn't even do us the courtesy of letting us know when his paralysis occurred. All the Bible tells us is that he is a paralytic man. Why is that important? It's important because if you study the Gospels, one of the literary nuances you will find is that anytime Jesus interacts with a person, rarely do we get their name. More often than not, we just get their gender and their condition. Have you ever noticed this? There was a man with a withered hand. What was his name? There was a woman with an issue of blood. What was Sister Girl's name? There was a, a man who was blind. There was a man who was deaf. We just get their gender and their condition. And do you know what it speaks to? I think it speaks to the human tendency to identify people by their issues. Oh, yes, we do the same thing today. People love to put labels on other people, and labels always limit you. And people love to talk to you about an issue that somebody else has and think that that issue is the sum total of their identity. And you can hear when they talk about other people, they say, oh, you see her? She on her eighth husband. Oh, you see him? Yeah, he's an alcoholic. Oh, oh you see him? Yeah, he's a drug addict. Oh, you see her? You know she had a baby at a wedlock. Isn't it funny how people will label you and make you think that your issue is your identity. Humans are the only people that will call you something for 15 years that you did one time in your past in five minutes and think the sum total of your life is a mistake that you made. But I got some good news from heaven for somebody in this place today. How many are thankful that if you are in Christ, you're a brand new creature, your past gets washed away? Come on, when God sees you, he doesn't see your faults. He doesn't see your mistakes. He just sees the blood of Jesus and says, that's already been paid for. Come on, somebody needs to give God some praise tonight and thank him. Oh, my issue is not my identity. I don't have to be defined by my dysfunction. You are more than your mistakes. Oh, that's a word for somebody in this place tonight because you're around people that keep bringing up your past and bringing up what you did in 1983 and bringing up all your mistakes. And you need to look at them and say, you know what? You know a whole lot about my history, but you don't know anything about my destiny. God's got greater in front of me than the mistakes of my past. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to just give God praise for freedom right there. You are who God says you are. They just label this man. They just call him a paralytic man. And watch this. He makes it into God's presence, but he's still got his paralysis. He's in God's presence through the roof, but he's still got his paralysis. I know you can't say anything in here tonight because you got to act real spiritual like you floated in here. Had communion for breakfast today. But if we could be real tonight, you'd be shocked. You would be shocked at the person sitting right next to you here on the first Wednesday, singing all the songs, giving in an offering, lifting up their hands. But if they are honest about their current spiritual condition, paralysis. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the thing that affects your walk with the Lord. I'm talking about the thing that maybe you cry out to God in a secret place and say, God, if I didn't have this, my walk with you 
would be a whole lot better. I'm talking about the thing that makes its way on your New Year's resolution list every year and every year you say, now this is going to be my year to get this thing. Yeah, that, that thing. And maybe you feel like this man today. Maybe you feel stuck. You feel like giving up. You feel like throwing in the towel. But God sent this crazy, shouting, sweating, chocolate brother from Dallas, Texas <laughs> to tell you you can't give up. You hear me? You can't give up. God has a way of putting you at the right place at the right time to hear the right word at the right moment so you can get up and walk in all that he has for you. Woo. Thank God for these four friends. Woo. They are the unsung heroes of the text. Thank God for these four friends. This man would have never gotten a breakthrough if it wasn't for these four friends. I've come to a season in my life where these are the type of friends I want in my life. I want tear the roof off friends in my life. I don't want friends that see me on the ground and say, you know, the ground is not that bad. In fact, Target got some more mats. Let me go get you another. No. Give me tear the roof off people who say, I might not know what to do about the situation, but I'll do whatever it takes to get you into the presence of the one that can. Come on now, you can't stay here. Come on, somebody get his legs. I'm going to get his arms. No, you got too much destiny. You got too much purpose. You got too much calling for you to live in mediocrity. Come on, Jesus going to meet with you today. I will tear the roof off. I'm crazy. Come on, somebody get his leg. I'm going to get his arms. Whoo, you heavy. You've been eating carbs. Come on. I mean, they picked him up. Did whatever it took and tore the roof off. And no wonder Jesus responded to their faith. Oh, don't miss that in the text. Their faith, collective, not just the faith of the man, but the faith of the four friends who said, I'll do whatever it takes for somebody else to get a breakthrough. <laughs> they tore the roof off. And how many you know, if you're preaching a sermon and somebody comes through the roof in the middle of your message, that's a good time to shut that message down, okay? <laughs> Jesus has lost the room. I mean, they are completely distracted. This man has come through the roof. And the crowd, as shocked as they are, they're also excited. Because this is what they paid their ticket to see. I mean, come on, it's already been rumored throughout the region that Jesus has supernatural, transcendent power. So as soon as the dude hits the floor, I can see the crowd going, Oh, it's about to go down. I'm telling y'all, Jesus got power. He got real power. I don't know if he's going to take mud and rub it on his legs. I don't know what he's going to do, but it's going to be good. You better get your camera and put this on YouTube. And the man, oh, the man who had to be embarrassed, had to be embarrassed to be lowered into the presence of all of these people. But all of a sudden, his embarrassment is eradicated with the feeling of elation and hope. Because he knows for the first time in his life, he's going to be able to stand on his own two feet. For the first time in his life, he's going to be able to feel the sand between his toes. For the first time in his life, when he goes to a wedding and they do the cha-cha slide and they say one hop this time, he's going to be able to do it. <laughs> While the crowd is waiting to clap at a miracle and the man is waiting to dance, Jesus, who has the power to heal him, the first thing he says, the first thing he says is, son, your sins are forgiven. What? <laughs> oh, 
okay, all, all the spiritual people in the room, you probably just identified yourself. Because when I said sins forgiven, you probably thought to yourself, ah, oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, sin, that isn't the problem. But I don't know how you read your Bible. Here's how I read my Bible, okay? When I read the Bible, I jump in the page of the Bible. I imagine what it would be like to be that particular individual in the text. And that lets me know, especially with this text, I would have gotten kicked out of the Bible, okay? Yes, yes, maybe even around Genesis chapter 1 because... <laughs> Whenever I am frustrated, whenever I'm annoyed by a situation, I have the tendency and the proclivity to be a little bit sarcastic, a little bit sardonic. Pray for me. I'm still in process. So if that's me, if that's me, and I've just been carried through a crowd up the side of a house, a hole has been cut and a road. Construction has happened for me to get into the presence of a man that everybody's saying is going to heal me and everybody's saying is going to make me walk again. And the first thing, the first thing he says is not get up and walk, is, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm going, oh, appreciate it, Jesus. You know, that's why we came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, that's the real obvious apparent issue, to get my sins forgiven. Yeah, I don't need these legs. I don't want to walk. I came all the way down here to get my sins forgiven. Hey, guys, sins forgiven. Mission accomplished. Let's go home. What is Jesus talking about? People read your Bible. It is funny stuff in your Bible. Jesus seems to be the only ignoramus in the room who don't realize this man didn't come to get his sins forgiven. Hello, he wants to do the moonwalk. Oh, what do you do when Jesus doesn't address the thing you thought he should have addressed? What do you do when he seems to be acting completely ignorant about your current issue? That's actually when you got to pay close attention. Because whenever Jesus is acting ignorant about your situation, there's actually a deeper revelation that he is trying to push you to. This man, this man, just like us, didn't even realize that he was in the exact place posture and position that God will often reveal himself to you. Hear me, church. There's a place in life that is frustrating, that is annoying, and yet it is often the place that God will reveal himself to you. And that place is this. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he really is. I'm going to say that again because it was that good. Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, God is trying to give you a revelation of who he really is. Because hear me, rarely is Jesus recognized. He is more often revealed. And he'll reveal himself at the place where our experiences don't line up with our expectations. Come on, have you ever been there before? Have you ever been there where your experience didn't line up with your expectation, but now you can look at that situation in hindsight and say, whoo, it was good that that door got shut. It was good that I didn't get that job. I wouldn't have my business now. It was good they didn't answer that call to go on a date. I saw them on Facebook. God, thank you for blocking that door. 
Whenever your experience doesn't line up with your expectation, often God is trying to give you a revelation of who he really is. Oh, are you bored yet? Okay, because I, I could take you throughout the Bible. The Bible is replete with examples of people's experiences not lining up with their expectation. And the whole thing was a setup for God to reveal himself to them. Can I give you my favorite and I'll be done? John chapter 11, read it when you get to the crib. You remember Mary and Martha? Remember Mary and Martha? Remember that brother Lazarus gets sick out of the blue? He just starts coughing. <laughs> I think I got the black lung. Just starts coughing. And <laughs> they don't trip at first because it's not that bad. But all of a sudden it gets worse and worse and worse to the point Lazarus can't even get out of the bed. And in my exegetical imagination, uh, Martha, she's kind of poised. She's keeping it together. But Mary is having a panic attack. She's like, oh! What are we going to do? It's not getting better. It's getting worse. It's the only brother that we have. And Martha goes, girl, stop that crying. Okay, stop that crying. Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. When Jesus comes into town, whose house does he stay at? Oh, girl, he stays at our house. Girl, that means this whole house is covered in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. Don't panic. As a matter of fact, get my cell phone. Get my cell phone. Come on, y'all know this Bible story. Takes her cell phone, immediately sends a text message to Jesus, says, hey, Jesus, the one you love, doesn't even say his name. He knows who I'm talking about. The one you love is sick. You, Jesus, do what you do send Jesus is on the other side of town preaching the gospel as he's preaching the gospel cell phone text message noise goes off ding ding Jesus goes what I tell you about cell phones while I'm preaching <laughs> the disciples are like Jesus that's your phone he's like oh my bad pulls out his cell phone sees the text message from Martha the one you love is sick you Jesus do what you do he immediately responds he says do not worry this cyclone this sickness, predictive text will mess you up sometimes. This sickness will not end in death. Sends it back to Martha. Martha gets the text. Oh, girl, look who just texted me. Jesus, look at what he said. He said this sickness will not end in death. I told you he's an on time God. Yes, he is. They start having church. I'm so sorry. That was so selfish as a communicator. Because <laughs> that whole moment wasn't even for you. It was for me. Because <laughs> it was so funny to watch your faces go, I ain't never read this version before <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> I think I told y'all before, that's the NIV, okay? Negro International Version. It's a different translation. <laughs> it is not a family Christian bookstore. <laughs> they started shouting. <laughs> They started dancing off of a text message. Oh, but don't miss the tension in the text. Right after they finish dancing, Lazarus dies. <laughs> and Jesus has the nerve, the audacity to not come to the funeral. He didn't come to the graveside service. He didn't come to the house when they're eating tuna casserole. He comes in four days late. Four days late. Cool, calm, and collected. Talking about how y'all doing? Y'all good? Y'all good? Y'all good? <laughs> Mary and Martha are like, no, he didn't. Like, Jesus, I will cut you. Oh, read it. They were so mad. They said, Jesus, you would have been here. Her brother wouldn't have died. Their experience didn't line up with their expectation. They were expecting him to come as soon as they sent word that he was sick, but he didn't. 
He waited till Lazarus died, and not only died till he was dead, and not only dead, four days dead. That's dead. Right when their experience didn't line up with their expectation, he says, show me where you laid him down, goes to that tomb and preaches a three-point sermon and says, Lazarus, come forth. And thank God it was a three-point sermon because you do know his word is so powerful. If he would have just gone to the grave and said, come forth, every dead person in there would have been like, hold on, he's talking about me. And it would have been a thriller video. So I want to thank God that he can get the right word to the right person at the right time. Come on, so that situation that the enemy and other people told you was dead and over, come on somebody. How many are thankful that he is the resurrection and the life? Oh, somebody needs to give God the best praise that you got over that situation that other people told you it was dead and it was over. Baby, it ain't over until God says it's over. Worship team, join me. Can you see Mary and Martha taking the grave clothes off of their brother who was dead? To my girl, Jesus off the chain. Who you think? See, I thought he only had power to heal people when they were sick. Girl, I didn't know he had power to raise people from the dead. And we would have never known that resurrection power was in him until our experience didn't line up with our expectation. Oh, I came to encourage somebody tonight. I'm telling you, the situation you're complaining about, you could actually flip the script tonight and start praising about it because that whole situation could be a setup for God to reveal himself to you in a deeper way. Come on, sometimes it's not until you get the bad doctor's report that he will reveal to you that he is a healer. Sometimes it's not until you watch people that you thought you could trust stab you in the back that you'll get a revelation that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Sometimes it's not until your money is funny and your change is strange <laughs> and you've got more bills than you got income that you'll get a revelation that he really is Jehovah Jireh your provider because you're still here you're still making it you're still surviving I got the strange suspicion that the situation you've been complaining about might actually be an opportunity for you to give God praise and thanks he's revealing himself to you in that. He's revealing himself. What is he revealing to this man? Well, look at what he says. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Whew. Only a savior can say that. Only a savior can make that declaration. But in that moment, that man had to be thinking, Jesus, hello, my legs. Oh, why did I come to you? You don't even know what my problem is. He's saying, no, you don't know what your problem is. <laughs> ah! 
you got a dislocated finger. You think your legs are the big issue, but your legs are just the fruit of the issue. But sin is the root of the issue. And I cannot deal with the fruit of an issue until I first go deeper and deal with the root of the issue. Because if I deal with the fruit and not the root, you will have a perpetual cycle of dysfunction in your life. And so many times in our life, we want God to deal with the fruit of issues. God, fix them. Fix my husband. Fix my wife. Fix these kids. They all crazy. <laughs> so many times God wants to shine the light on our own heart and get to the root of the issue so that healing can take place and you can get up and walk in all that he has for you. He says, your sins are forgiven. And as soon as he says that, I love it because the Pharisees, the elect Sanhedrin, the religious people who were pretentiously puffed up with pomposity and pride. You know, religious people, they always look the same. Everywhere you go, they always look the same. They always look like they smell something in the room. Yeah. Never make that face. People think you're religious. <laughs> As soon as they say, your sin, he says, your sins are forgiven, which is the root of the problem. They thought to themselves, they said, he's blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Who but God alone can forgive? He was God. So much God, he responded not to their words, but to their thoughts. As soon as they thought it, he goes, why are you thinking these things? Ooh, Jesus off the chain. He says, which is easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up take your mat and walk he says so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins who can we just pause there and thank god that we serve a god that has all power and all authority come on somebody needs to go to sleep good tonight god is not stressing about what you stressing about because he's got all power and authority he says so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins he looks at the man and says i tell you get up somebody say get up oh come on say it like you got some power say get up come on say it like you got some faith say get up oh i love the way jesus did this miracle he didn't say i'm gonna do a six-week series on how you can get up he didn't say i need a big bottle of crystal oil and a prayer team he said no all that's fine but not for this miracle he said for this miracle i'm giving you a word and you're gonna have to respond to the word that you heard and activate your faith and do something you've never done before to receive something you've never received he just looked at that man and just said get up somebody say get up Somebody came all the way to first Wednesday just to get that word right there. Get up. God is trying to take you to a new level. Get up. God is trying to take you to a new place. Get up. Your calling is too high for you to be living and thinking that low. Come on, somebody with faith tonight. I tell you to actually get up and give God praise and just say, get up. Oh, come on, get up. Get up from worry. Get up from fear. Get up from doubt. Get up from low self-esteem. Get up from the pain of your past. Come on, somebody shout. Get up. Get up. All of a sudden, the man's legs start tingling. He gets up. I imagine the entire place erupted, giving God praise. Because he who was down was up. And if it was me... I would have stopped the miracle right there when the man got up. But I love Jesus 
because he's not just powerful, he's practical. He says, get up. Then he tells him another commandment that when I read it, it made me laugh out loud. He goes, oh, and take your mat. Let me have been thinking, uh, Jesus, I'm good. You know how long I've been laying on that mat? He said, no, 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 you're not good. Take your mat. That man had to be thinking, why do I got to carry this silly mat around? And I think it's because Jesus didn't want him to ever forget that he used to be down on the ground. Oh, see, every believer has to have a mat. See, if you're not careful, when you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you'll start to get anointed amnesia, and you'll forget where you should have been and where you could have been if it had not been for the grace of God. Don't you ever turn up your nose on somebody else. How many of you in here know you got a mat? You got a testimony of where God brought you from. Come on, you know you didn't used to be in church on a Wednesday night, but look at you in here giving God praise tonight. Is there anybody in here that has a mat? a testimony of God's goodness. Come on, give him some praise if you got a mat. Help me, come on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Let's talk about musically, musically help a brother out, but you're good. Takes his mat. Last commandment he gives him is go home. Go home. I think it's possible if he told this man to go home that he could have had a wife. I think it's possible he could have had some kids. And I can see this guy. I can see him walking to his house for the very first time, holding his mat. Come on, that's how you walk when you just got your legs. I can see him knocking on the door of his house. I can see his kids coming to the door going, Dad, 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 you're walking. You said, Mama, come see. Mom, Mom, Dad's home. And Mom, she's in the kitchen cooking chicken. And you already knew. And it's like, boy, quit making up those stories. You're making up stories at school. Your daddy is not out there. No, Mama, come see. Stops cooking. Sees her husband standing there for the first time. I imagine tears just start coming down her face. And just maybe in that moment, he looks at her and says, sweetheart, you can't even see the real miracle. The real miracle isn't just that my legs have been healed. That's awesome. The real miracle is that my sins have been washed away. He did something on the inside that nobody else could deal with. In fact, these legs are just proof positive that something has happened on the inside of me. I got so much more than what I came for. I thought I was just coming for my legs, but he did exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could ask or think. He healed me on the inside. Because whenever God does healing in your life, he will heal you from the inside out. And I know you came in here today and you're saying, God, what about my legs? What about the external situation? But I came on assignment to tell somebody tonight he actually wants to go deeper and get to the root of the issue so you can get up and walk in all that he has for you.
the same God that did it for that man is willing and able to do it for you in this place tonight. I'm going to ask every head be bowed, every eye be closed, nobody leaving, nobody moving. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Father, I pray in the midst of the laughter, in the midst of everything, Lord, that you are speaking to the hearts of your people. Lord, don't let us come into church and get goosebumps and feel good, but walk out without ever allowing you to get to the root of the issue. Lord, I pray tonight with the precision of a surgeon, you would get to the root of the issue so that we can get up and we can walk in all that you have for us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this place tonight. And I need to know who I came for. If you're here tonight, you'd be so honest to say, you know what, I know what that thing is that's at the root. And I've been complaining about the fruit of the issue. But tonight I need Jesus to heal what's at the root. For somebody, I'm talking about that bitterness that unforgiveness, that offense that you've been holding towards somebody, and I'm not dismissing what they did. I know it was wrong. I'm saying you've been holding on to it. And it's not stopping them from getting up. It's stopping you from getting up. God says tonight, would you let me get to the root of that issue so you can get up and walk and all that I have for you? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over this place tonight. I believe God's speaking to hearts even now. You're here tonight and you say, you know what? I know what that thing is that's at the root. And tonight, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm just giving it to you, Jesus. I am tired of trying to handle that thing. I'm giving it to you. That's you. You know what that thing is. Would you just lift up your hand as a sign to say, Lord, I know what it is tonight. I'll give it to you. Thank you, God. You can lift it up and put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed. If you're here tonight or even watching online and you've never taken that first step, which is say, Jesus, my life is yours. Some of you just need to get up and begin relationship with Jesus. If you're here tonight, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. I'd love to give you that opportunity tonight to say, Lord, today, today. I'm going to begin to walk with you. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand? And say, that's me. Yeah, yeah, I see those hands. Hear me, this is not to embarrass you. This is actually to empower you. Here's what I'm going to ask. The worship team is going to begin to sing that song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. And if you lifted up your hand for either one of those, saying, hey, I know what that thing is that's at the root, and I need to give it to him, or saying, you know what, I need to give Jesus my life. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you just to get out of your seat when I count to three in a moment and just come find a place at this altar. And I believe that as we worship and as we sing this song, God is going to get to the root of that issue and healing is going to take place in your life. I don't want you to worry about what anybody else is going to think about you. This is between you and Jesus. How many know people might have thought he was crazy when he came to that roof? They didn't think he was crazy when he walked out of there carrying his mat. They were giving God praise. This is between you and God. And there's just something he does in an atmosphere like this. So 
Again, when I count to three, if you lifted up your hand or you should have for either one of those, I just want you to get out of your seat and come find a place at this altar just for a moment and we're going to sing this song and we're going to worship. One, this is your moment. Two, this is between you and your Savior. Three, I want you to come. Come. If you lifted up your hand from the back to the sides, just come all the way to the front, all the way to the front. Come on. Holy Spirit, Come on, can you come with your hands lifted? Father, we need you to. Up your hands tonight. Let's declare it. Holy Spirit.
midst of this atmosphere. I believe God's doing a deep work. When you allow him to get to the root of that issue, healing takes place. Just in this atmosphere, would you just pray this prayer? We're all going to say it as one big family tonight, but especially if you responded and felt like this is for you. Would you say this? Say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me enough to pay the price for my sin. Jesus, I know your body is nailed to a cross so that my life can have freedom. Jesus, tonight, I give you permission to get to the root of the issue so that I can be healed. I can be whole. Tonight, I declare, I am not what happened to me. My issue is not my identity, but I am your child tonight I will get up and walk in all that you have for me and Jesus I thank you that you give me a mat oh declare it you give me a mat a testimony that shows the world when I come to you I'll always get more than what I came for in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give God praise in this place. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 